The lesson is taken from Joshua, chapter 7, and it's on page 221 in the Church Bibles. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon to the east of Bethel, and told them, Go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. When they returned to Joshua, they said, Not all the army will have to go up against Ai. Send two or three thousand men to take it, and do not weary the whole army, for only a few people live there. So about three thousand went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about thirty-six of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this, and they will surround us and wipe out your name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? The Lord said to Joshua, Stand up! What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they've been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you any more unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Go, consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. 
There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. In the morning, present yourselves tribe by tribe. The tribe that the Lord chooses shall come forward clan by clan. The clan that the Lord chooses shall come forward family by family. And the family that the Lord chooses shall come forward man by man. Who is ever caught with the devoted things shall be destroyed by fire, along with all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord and has done an outrageous thing in Israel. Early the next morning, Joshua made Israel come forward by tribes, and Judah was chosen. The clans of Judah came forward, and the Zerahites were chosen. He made the clan of the Zerahites come forward by families, and Zimri was chosen. Joshua made his family come forward man by man. And Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was chosen. When Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you have done do not hide it from me. Achan replied, It is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites and spread them out before the Lord. Then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold bar, his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys and sheep, his tent and all that he had to the valley of Achor, Joshua said, Why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him. And after they had stoned the rest, they burnt them. Over Achan they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger 
Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of Achor ever since. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Arthur. Wow. That is a tough, tough passage. Just as that was read to us, that is huge, isn't it? And, and this is in the Bible. This is in Scripture that it says that. So I believe this is true. I've really struggled this last week actually preparing this message. It is a tough message to give. So I would ask this evening, please have grace with me as I speak. And um, remember that I'm the curate of this church and not the vicar, so you can't pin... <laughs> too much on me. See, this is when it comes in handy to be the curate, because you can get away with things. But in all seriousness, uh, yeah, do have grace with me as I speak this evening. And if you're a visitor here this evening, I hope that um, you feel very welcome. And just to say that this is a message, I would say, specifically for Christians. So if you're a visitor this evening, if you wouldn't call yourself a believer, a Christian, I would say this message is specifically for Christians. So let's pray. I think we need to pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word brings life. Thank you that your word is serious. Thank you that we can read the whole word and not just parts of it that we like. And Father, I pray that as I speak this evening, you would give me wisdom, wisdom to speak your message. And I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. As I've been preparing this talk, I've come to see that that God is a lot more serious about sin than I am about sin. God is a lot more serious about himself than I am about God. God is a lot more serious about this topic than I am about this topic. And and honestly, my, my prayer this evening is that, as I've just prayed, that we would study Scripture together. And so I would ask, if you've got your Bibles, open them up to page 221 from the reading we just had read, that we would look at this scripture as a church, that it wouldn't be, you know, what is George saying about this passage, but but what is God saying about this passage? Because as that reading was read to us, you know, you, you have to take a step back and say, wow, did that really happen? Because of the sin of one man, 36 people were killed, and this man, Achan, was stoned to death was burnt because of this sin, because he coveted some of these things that were to be devoted to the Lord. It says it in this Bible. And if we as Christians are serious about this word, that we don't just take the parts that we like, that we don't just take parts of the New Testament and think, okay, you know, that that suits my life, that suits who I am. But actually, we take the whole of the word of God, the Old Testament included. And there's a lot of things in the Old Testament and in the New Testament that we read and we go, wow, wow. Is that really of God? Is that really of God? You see, today we're looking at celebrating the God who is judge. The last few weeks we've looked at celebrating the God who is redeemer, um, a God who is full of grace. This is brilliant. You know, we love that. Celebrating a God who forgives. We had last week, again, forgiveness. That's a good thing, isn't it? Celebrating the God who is judge. It doesn't sound so pleasing to our ears. You see, I think we, we often see, as the world sees, that, that it's all about love. And God is a God of love. God is a God of love. But God is also a God of wrath. 
God is also a God of judgment, of sovereignty, of holiness, of all of these things as well. And we can't just pick and choose the things that we like about God and leave the rest. These are the attributes of God. And he's God, and we're not. So as we look at this scripture, there is going to be some stuff that is, that is hard to hear. But we've got to pray, God, you're wiser than we are, and you know all things, and you are God, and we are not. So I pray that that would be what we hear this evening. There's many of us in this room that, that like football, and changing topics slightly, many of us like football. I've never really been a football fan myself, and I'm sorry that I've got a guy over there looking at me like I'm a strange alien. Um, I'm sorry that offends some of you, and, it, and I'm sure it does, but I, I never really understood what football's all about. You know, a bunch of overpaid guys running around a field, or girls, getting paid too much, kicking a football around. It's never really captured me, if I'm honest. Give me a car event or something like that, and you know, but football, I've, I've never really understood. A few months ago, I got a ticket um, from someone to go to a, a game, which was Crystal Palace, which technically, I know we've got a Crystal Palace fan in this room, or there's one of two of them, so sorry about that. Crystal Palace playing against Chelsea. Okay, and this was at Stamford Bridge football ground. Those of you who know Stamford Bridge know it's a really nice ground. And these tickets were fantastic. They were amazing tickets. We got a three-course meal beforehand. There was wine, there was champagne, there was great food. And then we got escorted to our seats good leg room, the view was good, half time came, there was a pork pie waiting. I mean, who doesn't like pork pies? This is, it was amazing. I had such a good time. Palace lost, of course, that was a given, but it didn't matter because I had such a good time watching this game. It was brilliant. But if you'd have said to me, George, you know, come to a game with me and you're going to be standing in the main stand, you're going to have an angry, sweaty man shouting things in your ear, singing silly songs, I'd probably say, you know, I'm all right. I probably wouldn't jump at the opportunity to go, if I'm honest. And you know, I say this, there is a point. I say this because when I look around at the church in this country, and actually when I look around at the church in, in the Western world, everything has to be just right for us. Do we have to have the right music we have to have the right speakers. We have to have the right children's groups for our children to go to. We have to have the right people in the church because they're the sort of people that we associate with and they're the sort of people that we get on with. That's what I see as I look around the church. And I'm speaking to myself here just as much because I like these comforts of the Western church. But when I read this scripture, when I read this book, and the New Testament particularly, I see a bunch of people, disciples, who were sold out for the gospel. You see, they didn't care if they got nice things because they didn't get nice things. Actually, they were putting their lives on the line. They were probably going to get killed for their faith. There was a huge possibility that was going to happen. To fear God for these disciples truly meant to fear God. To take up their cross and to follow Christ really meant that they might die for this message. This is big, big stuff. And so often I look around the church in this country and I think, goodness, have we got this? Have we really understood what this is all about, what this message, what this word is telling us to do? Are we serious about this stuff? Are we serious about the purity of the church as God is? 
You see, when I see a football fan who goes to games regularly, when I see a football fan who, who has all the stuff that follows the league, that, that goes and watches it on the telly all the time, that even plays, I look at that person and I say, that is a football fan. But I'm not. You know, I'm just willing to go if, if everything's nice, if, if the food's good and the seats are nice and it's comfortable. We've got to challenge ourselves and ask the same question of church. Why do we come to this place? Is it because everything's nice and cozy? Or do we become because God is God? And we come to read and listen about this, about this being, this heavenly being, and give him the praise in which he deserves. Today we're looking at celebrating the God who is judge. And as I've said, judgment is not a nice thing to hear. There's a quote from, if we could have the quote up on the screen, that would be great, from R.C. Sproul, who said, A God who is all love, all grace, all mercy, no sovereignty, no justice, no holiness, and no wrath is an idol. That's pretty hard-hitting. A God who is all love, all grace, all mercy, no sovereignty, no justice, no holiness, and no wrath is an idol. That is a challenge. If you've got your Bibles open, turn to, with me to page 221, Joshua chapter 7. This was the text that, that really got me. Am I as serious about God's commands and about God's purity as he is? Am I as serious about God's commands and his purity as he is? And honestly, the answer is, no, I'm not. I'm not as serious about this as God. Joshua 7 verse 1 says, But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of these things. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. So what's happening here? You've got this man, this guy called Achan. Okay, and what happened was Israel, when they were taking a city, when God said to them, go in and destroy that city, often God would say, you've got to wipe everything out. Everything must go of this city because these people are unholy. Everything must be destroyed. And so when they went into a city, there were also some things that, that God said, but you must devote certain things to the Lord as a sacrifice for saying, actually, God, you have given us the victory over this place, so you are to sacrifice certain things to God. Achan saw some of these things that should have been sacrificed to God, some of these devoted things, it says, and it says that he coveted these things, and he took them. Okay, it's only Achan that knows about this, and God. No one else knows about it. And so Joshua and Israel are praying, they're fasting, they're crying out to God, they're saying, God, you know, what, what's going on? Because we don't lose. We don't lose in battle because you're with us. We never lose. We always win because you're by our side. Why have we lost? Why have 36 men, families, been affected by the fact that we've gone into battle? Why has this happened? I love this. God says to Joshua, stand up. Stand up. Get off your face. Stand up and face me. You don't, you don't, you don't answer back to God. Joshua stands up and he said, you, this has happened because someone in your camp has taken some of these devoted things. I want you to find that person and I want you to bring that person before me. We then see verse 20. This is what happens. Verse 20, Achan replies, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I've done. 
When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So the people of Israel, they go, they, they find this stuff in the tent, and then it says, verse 25, it says, Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him. And after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Over Achan, they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of Achor ever since. Now, some of us, we listen to that, and this is myself included, and we think, how is that fair? How is that fair? How is that just? How can, because of the sin of one man, 36 families be affected by this? Actually, the whole of Israel be affected by the sin of just one person. How is that fair? You see, this is the passage that causes me to ask the question, am I as serious about this as you are God? Am I as serious about your holiness? Am I as serious about who you are? about your name's sake. Am I serious? Because honestly, I'm not. To ask us the question, how serious are we about the purity of the church? Israel was a family. We, as the body of Christ, are a family together. How serious are we about the purity of the church? And so much we're, as a church, and we don't really talk about this, I don't think, as the Western church today. We're so much about the love of God And as I've said, God is love. God is full of love. He's full of mercy. He's full of grace. But he's also a God of judgment. A God whose name needs to be held high. I can remember when I became a Christian, I was told that when I pray, you know, you just talk to God like like he's a mate. I actually really struggle with that. In some ways, it's a good thing because it wants to encourage us to be able to pray to God as we would just talk to anyone else and have a, re- a real relationship. But do we realize that when we pray, who we are actually praying to? We are praying to the creator of the heavens and the earth. We are praying to a divine being, to God Almighty. Now, are we flippant about that? Do we just enter into that relation, relationship lightly or do we take it seriously? And that's not to say don't pray or when you pray, make sure that you do a bunch of things. No, pray to God as you would pray. But but to realize we are praying to God in heaven who created everything. That is serious. That is big. That is not just a flippant thing to do. God has many attributes. One of those is judgment. And I honestly believe it says it in Scripture that one day each and every one of us in this room will have to stand before God, our maker, and give an account for what we've done in this life, whether good or bad. That's what it says. And you could debate that. I think it's pretty clear personally. I might be wrong. We're going to have to stand before our judge and give an account for what we've done. How are we going to feel about that? We're going to be slightly scared. This is God we're talking about. And some will say, well, isn't that just in the Old Testament that we see that that God is like this, that that this God of wrath? What about the New Testament as well? Acts chapter 5. 
This is another huge one. And uh, I must say, I'm being quite brave going here. <laughs> Ananias and Zephyra. And these were a couple that the, the early church was on the move. The Holy Spirit was working. People were coming to faith. Amazing things were happening. And this couple, Ananias and Sapphira, had sold a plot of land. And they brought the money that they had from this plot of land to the disciples for the establishment of the early church. And the disciples asked them, is this all that you've got for what you got for the land that you sold? And they say, yes. But they lied. And actually, they'd held some of the stuff back. What happens is... Bang. They're st- dead in front of everyone. The whole church is seized with fear because of what they've just seen. This couple is just slain. Can you imagine if that happened today? This is in the New Testament, it says this. Imagine if I said to Dave, Dave, come up here. Tell me, is this the truth? And Dave lied. And Dave, bam, down. In the middle of our service. Sorry, I have to use you as an example. I was going to pick on someone else, but I, I felt bad. But then for me to say to someone else, come up here, tell me the truth. Having just seen that, I think you would probably tell me the truth, wouldn't you? God is serious about sin. God is serious about the purity of the church. And this bothers some of us. It Honestly, it has bothered me in the past. And I think this is why we have a problem with with punishment. This is why we have a problem with God flooding the earth in the Old Testament. It's why we have a problem with the the idea, the concept of hell. And I'm not going to get into the debate of of what hell is. That's another sermon for someone else. (laughs) But this is why we have a problem with so many of these things. Because we just see God as a God of love, but we forget that there are other sides to God. In the Old Testament, in this passage about Achan, it wasn't just about Achan's sin. It was about the whole community. When Achan sinned, everyone was affected by this because they were a family. You know, we as the church today, 2,000, 3,000 years later, are also a family. We are the body of Christ. When one of us sins, then it affects all of us. Isn't it true that if I was to be in ongoing sin, then it would affect the church? If I had sin in my life that I was refusing to give up, it would affect the church. But it's the same with all of us. If we've got things going on in our lives that that we haven't repented of, that we haven't said, God, I'm sorry, that we haven't prayed with someone about, and honestly, this is why I think that accountability is so important, to have accountable relationships, people that you can talk with, people that you can pray with, I've had someone for the last few years that I speak to on the phone every single Wednesday. And we have a chat for about an hour. And he, he asked me hard questions about life. He asked me about my marriage. He asked me about what's going on for me personally. And I, I feel that I can speak to this guy. And he prays for me. And we keep each other accountable. It's a great relationship to have. And if you haven't got that, I definitely say get yourself in an accountable relationship with someone. Ask someone, a friend of yours, or if you can't find anyone, come and speak to me. If you're a man, if you're a woman, go and speak to Sue or Jess. Use us as the staff of this church. This is our job. Be accountable to us about things that you're going through, and we can pray for you. And we can help. It's an important thing. What I don't want us to do is, is go around and point the finger at other people. And say, ah, you, I've seen you do that. Don't you need to repent of that? It says in 
Matthew 7, verse 5. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. We ourselves need to repent. We ourselves, as individuals, need to come before Jesus and say that we're sorry. And honestly, I think for the world out there, and I might be wrong in this, for people that wouldn't call themselves Christians, actually, we need to know what it is that we're saved from. This is why the message of the gospel, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, is so amazing, that it is truly good news. That's what it's called. It's called good news. Because we have been saved from this stuff that we see. We've been saved in Jesus Christ. That is why it's so amazing. And I think for, for those of us that have grown up in the church, hearing this all the time, yes, we've been saved by Jesus, yes, yes, yes. It becomes kind of old news in a way. This is such amazing news, the gospel, because we have been saved from sin. Because sin is so serious. And God, who is the righteous, just judge, sent his son 2,000 years ago to die on the cross, to take the sin of the whole world so that we could have new life, that we could have a relationship with God. It was through Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus came to do. That is why it's such good news. This gospel All we have to do is accept Jesus into our lives. And God wipes the slate clean. It's paid for, done, signed by Jesus' blood on the cross. All it takes is for us to come to Jesus and say we're sorry and to accept him into our lives. The gospel is incredible. The gospel is amazing because sin is so serious. And God as judge came in the person of Jesus Christ and died so that we could have a second chance. I'm going to show us a short video clip now. And some of you, I'm sure, have seen this video. But I think it explains actually quite well what God does in Jesus. There once were two little boys who were best friends. They played together, went to school together, they even went to university together. They were inseparable. Until their careers took them in very different directions. One became a lawyer, the other a criminal. As one was promoted to a judge, the other disappeared deeper and deeper into a life of crime. Eventually, the criminal was caught and sent to trial. On the fateful day in the courtroom, he came face to face with his old best friend, the judge. And so, the judge had a dilemma. He loved his friend, but he had to do justice. And so, he fined him the appropriate penalty for the offence. It was a huge fine. There was no way he could ever afford to pay what he owed. But then, the judge took off his robes went down, stood with his friend, and wrote out a cheque covering the cost. He paid the penalty himself. That is what God does in Jesus Christ. He pays the penalty for us. Because we can't. 
There's no way we could ever possibly do it. It is too great. Jesus pays the penalty so that we can have a relationship with God. Some of us have things in our lives that we've not told anyone about, but God knows. Some of us have, have struggled many times with, with ongoing things that keep coming back, addictions that keep coming back that you, that you want to get rid of, but you're, you're struggling with it. I'm going to say in a moment that I just want us to have a moment to be still and to, and to pray to ourselves about some of those things. But again, I'd love to reiterate that if there is something that you've got in your life that you can't shake off, that, that you're really struggling with, to go back to again and again and again, come and speak to one of us, come and speak to a friend, get an accountability partner, get someone to pray with, take this seriously. Sin is serious, but God as judge in the face of Jesus Christ wipes it free if we accept him into our lives.